Hey guys, this is Mrs. H. Welcome to my online book club. Um, just to let you guys know, you can listen in on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spreaker. I also have a YouTube channel where each episode is uploaded with closed captioning for the hearing impaired. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. You can connect with me on there. We can talk about books or whatever else. Um, you can also send me an email. It's Mrs. H Online Book Club at gmail.com. All right, let's get started. Um, before we start with chapters one through five, I wanted to let everybody know it's up on my Facebook and my Twitter. Um, I'm looking for fan art from the Sorcerer's Stone. So if you have a painting, a drawing, anything, um, and you'd like to be featured on our Facebook page or Twitter, on my Twitter, um, send those in with your name so I can make sure you get proper credit. Um, I might also use one for a, uh, track cover for our next episode. Um, all right, so let's start with chapter one. In chapter one, we meet the Dursleys. Um, Mr. Dursley is the director of a firm called Grunnings. Um, Mrs. Dursley makes, is a homemaker, I'm sorry, is a homemaker. Um, she's also the neighborhood gossip. Um, mentions that she eavesdrops on the next door neighbor and then tells um, Mr. Dursley about it. So, um, and we also meet Dudley. Uh, Dudley is a brat. There's no other way to say it. He is a spoiled, rotten brat. Um, the Dursleys also have this uh, really weird need to be normal, um, to fit in a nice little box, um, which of course I understand Petunia because she grew up with Lily, which is um, Harry's mom being a witch and I think there's jealousy there as far as Petunia did not get a letter to Hogwarts so um and their parents you know were really excited that Lily got a letter from Hogwarts so um I think her need to be normal the most normal person you can meet um comes from some animosity towards Lily, but Vernon and his need is kind of, you know, less understood. Was he like that before he married Petunia and found out about Lily? I read an article on Facebook that says, uh, James Potter, which is, uh, Harry's dad, kind of put him in his place as far as how wizards handle their money and whatnot. Um, I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but, um, just, a an idea, I guess. But I also wonder how many run-ins, um, the, the Dursleys and the Potters had. Um, in later books, you find out that James is kind of a class clown. So, you know, I imagine some pretty crazy stuff went on. Maybe it's just my memory or my idea um, but, you know, 
the more you learn about James Potter throughout the, the series, uh, more it seems like, you know, maybe some crazy stuff went on. Um, in the first chapter, you also, um, we also get a peek into the wizarding world as far as meeting Professor McGonagall. We meet her first, um, she can turn into the to a cat. She was the cat that Vernon saw reading the street sign and a map. Um, we also meet Professor Dumbledore, and we meet Hagrid. Um, in Chapter One, you kind of see Vernon try his best to rationalize everything. On his way to work, he sees a bunch of people wearing cloaks. Which is, you know, not the norm. So he tries to tell himself, oh, it's just a new um, trend. And then he gets upset when he notices uh, people older than himself wearing the cloaks. But it just kind of shows um, how much the Dursleys put into being normal. To try to rationalize things like that. He he clearly saw. Um, McGonagall reading the street sign. And reading a map. But he. He refused to accept it. Um, so. Uh, that just kind of shows you how much. Stock they put into being normal. Um, we also get to see the difference. Between Professor McGonagall. And Professor Dumbledore. Um. Professor McGonagall is a very stern woman. She is um, no nonsense. Um, and then Dumbledore is kind of a quirky guy. When they're discussing what's happened to uh, Lord Voldemort, he is eating lemon drops. Um, so, you know, there's there's difference. There's the difference shown there. And then Hagrid. Hagrid is probably one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite, in the Harry Potter series. And it's because of his pure heart. Um, he's willing to help anybody. I mean, you know, maybe he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but he he's loyal. And that's a very redeeming quality to me. Um... So, at the end of chapter one, um, Professor Dumbledore, Professor McGonagall, and Hagrid leave Harry on the doorstep of the Dursley's house. Um, and the last couple, the last couple paragraph, our last couple lines, um, read one small hand closed on the letter beside him and he slept on not knowing he was special not knowing he was famous not knowing knowing he would be woken in a few hours time by mrs dursley's scream as she opened the front door to put out the milk bottles nor that he would spend the next few weeks being prodded and pinched by his cousin dudley he couldn't know that at this very moment people meeting in secret all over the country were holding up their glasses and saying in hushed voices to Harry Potter, the boy who lived. Which, going into chapter two, 
it, it really shows you the difference between Harry and um, where he lives with um, his aunt and uncle versus how the wizarding world sees him. So we start in chapter two and um, it just shows you, I mean, in the beginning, the very first page that um, Harry is not treated anywhere near as good as Dudley is. There's pictures all over the place of Dudley, none of Harry. It says you would never know another boy lived there. Um, it it kind of makes me wonder. Harry went to Harry went to his um, aunt and uncle when he was a year old, but a year old is still um, really young. Kids still require a lot of hands-on um, learning, things like that. So I've always kind of wondered, were they mean to Harry even then? Um, I mean, clearly throughout chapters one through five, you can tell he's fed, but definitely not enough. And he's definitely not been able to eat as much as he likes. Um, you know, he lives in a cupboard under the stairs. So, and it goes on to explain later that the, the house that the Dursleys lived in was a four bedroom. There was, uh... Vernon and Petunia's room, Dudley's room, um, a guest bedroom, and then Dudley had another bedroom for all the stuff that he doesn't, that he can't fit in his, um, first bedroom, so, um, they clearly had the room, um, there's also, it also, um, talks about a few little magical outbursts that Harry had. Um, there was the time that Petunia cut his hair so short he was almost bald, but kept his bangs to cover his scar. And the next day he got up and it had grown back. Um, there was the time he was running from Dudley's gang and he went to jump behind um, a trash dumpster and ended up on top of the school. There was also a time where Aunt Petunia was trying to fit a sweater, an ugly sweater, of um, Dudley's over him, put it on him, and it just kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Um, so we see a few little odd oddities that happened to Harry, and I think it really goes to show how much the abuse really did affect Harry because he never once thought anything was um, really odd. I mean, of course, when the, when the hair grew back, you know, he was kind of, he was more worried about not getting punished for it because he was punished for it. And he was yelling through the covered door. He can't explain how the hair grew back. But it's not like it was kind of shocking to him or anything. And he actually tries to rationalize most of it. Um, like the wind caught him when he was trying to, to jump behind the dumpsters. So you can see some of the abuse and neglect has, has rubbed off on Harry um, from his aunt and uncle. Um, 
Now, I have heard several times that Harry talks with a snake in the first book. Yes and no. This is not a conversation that they have. Harry talks to the snake, and the snake points his tail towards um, a sign. He nods his head. The only time Harry hears the snake talk was as he was slithering away. It says um, Harry could have sworn he heard the snake say, thanks, amigo. So, yeah, Harry can converse with a snake, but it's not a full-blown conversation um, in the first book. So, um, we also see a little bit of nervousness when it comes to Harry and the Dursleys. Um, Harry makes mention of dreaming about a motorcycle flying, which, of course, we know he's ridden on a flying motorcycle before um, in a dream. You know, he says he he dreamed about one and Vernon turns around and just screams at him for it. So it, they're very uptight about imagination, anything, anything doing something it's not supposed to do, um, which is kind of interesting to me. So, let's go ahead and go to chapter three. A lot of the first couple of chapters, um, it's just meeting new characters, finding out a little bit more information, things like that. So, the first three chapters go pretty quick as far as discussing them. Um, something that is shown pretty clearly in chapter three is um, the Dursleys seem to have plenty of money. I mean, you know, a nice four bedroom house. Um, Dudley has so much crap that he can't fit it in one room, but they still force Harry to wear Dudley's old clothes. Um, but in all reality, they could totally afford to buy Harry new or even um, second hand. But the difference between second hand and being forced into wearing Dudley's clothes is huge. Because buying second hand, you can buy sizes that fit you. But when Harry is forced to wear Dudley's old clothes, the size difference is massive. So not only is he wearing hand-me-down clothes, he's wearing clothes that don't fit him at all. So he already looks funny. Um, and in my opinion, that is Petunia's way of kind of getting back at her sister because of the animosity between them. Um, I think Petunia felt like she wasn't good enough compared to Lily because she was not a witch. She did not get a letter. Um, and I think that Petunia felt like her parents really put a lot of emphasis on Lily and the fact that she was accepted into Hogwarts and she was a witch. So she felt not good enough. So in her own home, she's making normal, which would be deadly. He's not a wizard, which anything. Um, she makes him look so much better than Harry, which is not normal. 
a wizard. So she's kind of flipped it around where she, you know, praises her own son because he's normal and really neglects, abuses, looks down on Harry for being a wizard. So I feel like, I feel like a lot of that is her kind of getting revenge on Lily or, um, justifying it to herself that she wasn't, Lily wasn't better than Petunia. Um, the letters start coming in and, um, Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia don't allow Harry to have them. Um, but the neat thing about the letters are they show exactly where Harry's at. Not just the address that they show where he's at in the house. Um, the first letter comes and says cupboard under the stairs. Um, the next one comes after that one comes and um, Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon see that it says covered under the stairs. They're like, oh, we should probably move Harry. Somebody's watching. So they move him into um, Dudley's second bedroom. So the next one that comes, it says smallest bedroom. So clearly they're being watched. My question is, why didn't somebody come <clears throat> and maybe not take Harry because later on in the books it kind of explains why um, they continue to let Harry live with the Dursleys. But why didn't somebody come and scare him? Kind of get them to get their act together. I mean, maybe it was... Maybe they just decided not to interfere. I don't know. But some... I mean, living in a cupboard under the stairs is... Pretty extreme. So, you know, I've always kind of wondered why didn't somebody show up, put a scare into him. Um, so, Vernon decides to try to run from the letters because he's sure they're being watched, which clearly they are. Um, they go from their house to a shady hotel to a hut on a rock out in the middle of the sea to try to run from them. Um, the shady hotel, you know, a hundred or so letters show up for Harry there. So the hut is kind of, uh, Vernon's last ditch effort to get away from him. Okay. That brings us into chapter four. Okay. So we meet Hagrid in this chapter. It's also Harry's birthday. So, um, Hagrid makes comments on Harry's appearance. Looks like, you know, you look like your dad. You catch your mom's eyes. It shows that Hagrid really knew, um, Harry's parents and not just in passing. I mean, you don't remember everybody's eyes that you come in contact with. You don't remember what color they are. So, um, he also remembers that it is Harry's birthday and he made him a cake, um, that shows to me that, you know, yeah, Hagrid brought him to the Dursleys from um, the rubble that was his house with his parents. But it really shows that Hagrid has really kept Harry in his thoughts and probably worried and and wondered about him. 
throughout the years and compared to the Dursleys who would give Harry like a sock or a, a hanger for his birthday for this stranger to come in and have a birthday cake for Harry which he's probably never had um, it really shows Hagrid's warmth and caring which isn't once again which is another reason why I love Hagrid um, Harry also gets to see Hagrid do a little bit of magic I mean he doesn't get to see exactly how he does it Hagrid bends over the fireplace so it's back up there's a, a fire going where Vernon had tried before to start one um, and then you know they start talking about who Hagrid is and Hagrid is super surprised that Harry has absolutely no idea about Hogwarts that he's a wizard that he's famous um, about his parents any of that which tells me that in the letter you know it was explained pretty well what had happened and that it had been requested that they tell Harry at least what happened to his parents but instead of um, telling the truth Vernon and Petunia told him that his parents died in a car crash um, and Petunia has a pretty good outburst in this chapter which uh, pretty much solidifies my thought of she was extremely jealous of Lily um, you know, her her outburst shows a lot of animosity towards Lily and the fact that she went and got herself blown up and they ended up with Harry. Um, and then in, in this chapter, we also get a pretty generic vanilla story of Voldemort, why Harry's famous, how his parents died. It's really, really generic. But we get the idea that uh, Voldemort is a um, dark wizard who was vicious and he killed Harry's parents um, and he tried to kill Harry himself but was unable to and when he cast the curse the curse rebounded and nobody had seen anything from Voldemort since um, like I said it you know gives you a little bit of background but it's a very vanilla generic story um okay Hagrid's pink umbrella it's definitely got his wand in it hidden in it um we we confirm that in the next chapter when we go to Ollivanders but um I think it's pretty funny because Hagrid is described as a massive man um, hands the size of uh, trash bin lids and the fact that he chose a pink umbrella to put his his wine pieces in it's just it's hilarious to me I mean all, all the things that he could have hidden in he chose a pink umbrella which makes for a pretty funny story Whenever he um, makes Dudley have a pig cell and he's wielding this pink umbrella, this massive giant man. 
Um, so I think it's pretty funny. I think that really adds into the uh, awesomeness that is Hagrid. So, um, you know, after Hagrid tells Harry, hey, you're a wizard, Harry obviously doesn't believe it because how many people would? I mean, if you were told you were a wizard. Um, but, you know, when Hagrid breaks it down and he's like, look, nothing weird has ever happened. So Harry thinks back to the haircut, the time he ended up on top of the school, the sweater, and most recently, the glass vanishing from the reptile house. So, then Hagrid confirms, yeah, that's because you're a wizard. And so Harry knows, okay, I got punished because my aunt and uncle knew about this. I mean, it was still dumb, but that's why I got punished. That's why, you know... They held him responsible for things that normally people have no control over. Um, Harry also gets to see um, how wizards send mail, which is through owls. And uh, each time you learn a little bit more about the wizarding community, it's just, it's really there's no there's no better word for it it's just magical the more you see things come together um it just pulls you in so he sees Hagrid send a letter to Hogwarts with a owl now um Harry gets to read his letter here and that letter is on page it's on page 51 of mine. If you have an illustrated version, uh, I don't have one. Uh, so I'm not sure. And uh, But it's on 51 on mine. Um, and we learned that Professor Dumbledore is the headmaster of Hogwarts. And we also learned that Professor McGonagall is the deputy headmistress of Hogwarts. Um See, I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. So, going into chapter 5, and this will be our last chapter for this episode. Um, at the end of chapter 4, Uncle Vernon makes a statement, I'm not paying for some crackpot old fool to teach you magic tricks. We see Hagrid's loyalty to Dumbledore here. You know, Hagrid is not supposed to do any more magic now that he's gotten Harry. But he still makes Dudley have a pig's tail because of what Vernon said. Um, so you really see Hagrid's dedication and loyalty to Dumbledore here. Um, and back in the first chapter, Dumbledore went to bat for Hagrid to um, Professor McGonagall questioned whether Hagrid was the best person to bring Harry to the um, Dursleys. And Dumbledore says that he would trust Hagrid with his life. So the loyalty and the um, dedication there between those two men, it's really cool to see. So you, you see Hagrid um, reciprocate that a little bit here. Um, it's going into Chapter 5. Now, Chapter 5... We get bombarded with a lot of information. Um, 
You get to see Harry's first experience with wizarding money when he has to pay the owl the next morning that dropped off the um, daily profit for Hagrid, which is the um, the wizarding newspaper. Um, Harry also expresses a little bit of, of worry about how he's going to afford to go to school because the Dursleys have already said they're not going to pay for it. And um, Hagrid kind of eases Harry's mind here and says, you didn't, you think that your parents didn't leave you anything? And Harry says, well, if their house was blown up, all their money. And that's when um, Hagrid tells Harry about the, about Gringotts Bank and goblins guarding it. Um, he also makes mention that Gringotts is the safest place in the world to hide or to protect something except for Hogwarts. So you really get to see Hagrid's love for Hogwarts here too. Um, of course, Hagrid works at Hogwarts. He is the um, keeper of the keys and the um, he's the gamekeeper at um, or groundskeeper at Hogwarts. Um, so he still works there. Of course, he loves it. Anyway, um, we also find out about the Ministry of Magic and what they do, which their priority priority is to make sure that the Muggles, which are non-magical people, don't find out about um, the Wizarding World. Um, Hagrid also lets it be known that he would love to have Dragon. So that kind of gives you, you know, a little peek into Hagrid's mind. Um, he also talks about the rumor that there's dragons guarding Gringotts, which of course piques Harry's interest, um, kind of builds up some anticipation for when we actually get to Gringotts. Um, and it's funny to watch the two of them go from the muggle world to the wizarding world because they're, they're leaning on each other. Um, Hagrid knows nothing about muggle money. Or anything like that. He complains about the trains. Um, Harry knows nothing about wizarding money. So he leans on Hagrid to get him, you know, where he needs to go. But I thought it was pretty funny that while they're on the train, Hagrid is knitting. It says, I could, looks like a canary yellow um, tent. Which, once again, I mean, it's just, it's so funny to watch this massive man do all this gentle th stuff uh the pink umbrella which is funny um knitting which is funny um so he's kind of it's kind of like a lovable giant so um we also get to see harry's school list which is starts on page 66 and goes to 67 um Got some pretty odd things here. There's a wand, a cauldron, um, fantastic beasts, somewhere to find them. You know, some of the books, uh, pointed hats, dragon hide gloves. Um, so Harry sees this and he's starting to worry about where in the world are we going to get this in London. So they get to the leaky cauldron and it's mentioned that it he Harry does not think that the muggles on the street even see it. 
He says they're isolated from the store next to the leaky cauldron to the store on the other side of the leaky cauldron. So, kind of gives you the feel that um, the leaky cauldron's hiding in plain sight. So, gives you a little bit of an idea how just how wizards hide from the muggle world. Um, when they enter the leaky cauldron, there's an uproar of activity. Everyone knows who Harry is. And um, they start to line up to shake his hand. Um, Harry recognizes Diggle. Um, he bowed to him in a shop when he was with Aunt Petunia. And he remembers this guy that was dressed kind of weird bowing to him. Well, now he understands. Um, he also meets Professor Coral, who's the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at Hogwarts. Um, Coral stutters. It seems like he's terrified of his own subject. Um, definitely wouldn't be classified as brave. Um, okay, so fast forward. They go. They get ready to go to Gringotts. Let me see if I can find that. Okay, so on the doors leading into Gringotts, um, this is on page 72 and goes to 73. Um, on the doors leading to leading into Gringotts, it says, Enter, stranger, but take heed of what awaits in the sin of greed. For those who take but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours, thief you have been warned, beware of finding more than treasure there. So it kind of tells you that these goblins are not messing around. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Um, it also um, kind of reaffirms Hagrid telling Harry, hey, these goblins are shady. You'd be crazy to try to rob Gringotts. Um, so after they produce Harry's key, Grip Hook takes them to Harry's vaults. Um, Harry sees the small fortune it's described as a small fortune left to him in the vault um, so he fills up his money bag enough to buy what he needs for school and you know a little extra and this is the first time in his life that Harry's actually had money even for things that he really does need um, much less spending money So, they also stopped by Vault 713, where Hagrid has an important job from Dumbledore to do. When they open, the way that Hagrid had talked about the job and what he needed to do, when the vault was opened, which didn't use a key, it was Grip Hook running his finger down the door, You Harry expected to see something, you know, jewels or you know something massive hidden in there and it was one small tattered little package so which piqued Harry's interest pretty pretty good but um Griphook tells Harry that if anyone had tried to open that door they would have been sucked in so the amount of protection put around this grubby little package is also kind of odd um 
Harry asked him, you know, how often do you check and see if anybody's in there? He said, once every ten years. So, um, then we get to meet uh, the boy in the robe shop. So, Harry goes into the robe shop and tries to get his robes. And immediately he starts being questioned by this boy who is also going to Hogwarts and there to get his robes. Um, he asks him about Quidditch, um, the school houses. The houses are Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, Gryffindor, Slytherin, um, which Harry has no idea about. He doesn't know what Quidditch is either, which is uh, the sport of choice for the wizards. So um, he also notices that this boy reminds him a lot of Dudley. He mentions trying to bully his dad into buying him a broomstick so he can smuggle it to school, even though first years are not allowed to have broomsticks. Um, during this conversation with this boy at um, the robe shop, we also find out that Voldemort was at Hogwarts as a student, which kind of blows... Harry's mind, but you have to think up until this point, he just got the rise to power. So, you know, before and after and all that stuff is, after is obviously kind of hazy to everybody, but the before story, nobody ever thinks to tell that. So, um, while all this is going on, Hagrid has gone and bought Harry a snowy owl, which he names Hedwig um, for his birthday. Um, so we get to meet Mr. Ollivander. And Mr. Ollivander is another one of my favorite characters. Simply because he is mysterious. And um, adds into the suspense of the wizarding world. And I just think he's really neat. I think he's really interesting. Um, so Mr. Ollivander was already expecting Harry to show up soon before school started for Hogwarts this year which uh, tells you that he's kept track of his age which I guess really is not that odd because he is so famous but um, for Mr. Ollivander to be like yeah I've been waiting for you it's kind of creepy so um, and he remembers what kind of ones Harry's parents had exactly and he describes them to to uh, Harry, um, which is weird because uh, I mean, there's no telling how many wands Ollivander's made that he remembers exactly what wand went to what wizard. Uh, he even remembers Hagrid, um, and it kind of confirms that uh, Hagrid's one pieces are in fact in that pink umbrella. Um, we also find out that Hagrid was expelled and that they snapped his wand and he says yeah I still got the pieces though. So that kind of tells you yeah that's what's up with the pink umbrella. Um, and so Ollivander starts trying to match Harry with a wand and he mentions um the wand chooses the wizard. So, and Harry, Harry is 
obviously kind of um, self-conscious because he's got to wave this wand around and, you know, see what happens. Um, so he's worried, you know, when, I wonder what would happen if a wand doesn't pick me, you know, so he's kind of freaking out. But Alvander likes the challenge of trying to find Harry a wand. The more wands they try and don't work, he gets more and more excited. So in the end, Harry gets the a wand. The wand that chooses Harry is the brother of Voldemort's wand, which means that the same phoenix donated two tail feathers. And Voldemort got one wand with that tail feather in it, and Harry got the other one with a tail feather in it from the same phoenix. So, um, that is, so that's chapters one through five. Um, if you feel like I've left something out that was extremely important, email me, post it on the Facebook page. As long as it is, um, As long as you're not trying to, like, be ugly about it, post it on the page. Um, if you feel like I've described something wrong or my theory's wrong or um, something like that, email me. Post it on the, um, the, on the Facebook page. I will not deal with, like, fussing and whatnot on the Facebook page, though. So, um, I do welcome everybody's theories, though. If it's off the wall, I don't care. Let me know what you think. Um, so if I've left anything out, if I've, if you believe that I'm wrong, um, if you have questions, if you have anything to add, you can email me, you can post it on the Facebook page. Um, and next week, uh, f next Friday at six, we will be doing chapters six through 11. And then the following week, we're going to do 12 through 17. There's only 17 chapters in this book, so... <coughs> sorry um so we'll finish up this book in three weeks um and we'll start on the chat the chamber of secrets um once again you guys can listen in on itunes soundcloud google play stitcher tune in and spreaker uh, we also have the youtube channel with closed captioning for the hearing impaired i want to make sure as many people i want to make sure that if someone wants to be in this online book club they can be in this online book club so if you have suggestions on how i can make that um how i can make this more user friendly let me know um i don't want anyone to be excluded um check us out on facebook and twitter don't forget about the uh, fan art that i'm looking for um emailing them to me is the best way to get them to me um and then that way I can feature them on the Facebook page. Um, make sure you include your name so you get credit for it. Um, let's see. Uh, my email is Mrs. H online book club at gmail.com. Um, check out the Facebook page. We've got um, a poll going on right now. Should we read Harry Potter and the Cursed Child as a part of the Harry Potter series? Um, go ahead and cast your vote there. Also been posting some... Um, memes and whatnot so um 
got a whole bunch of stuff going on at on the Facebook page. Um, we're also going to do the comparison of the book to the movie. Um, we'll probably do that um, the Friday after we finish up the book. Um, so, you know, after you've read the book, watch the movie. Uh, jot down things that, oh, well, the movie left this out and the movie left that out and things that you feel takes away from the story because it wasn't in there or things they've just changed altogether. Um, I'm a fan of the films. I do. I like them. But I don't. I'm not going to tell anyone that the films are exactly like the books because it's not true. Um, okay, guys, that is it for me today. Um, thank you for listening. Um, I'm excited to see you guys back here next Friday. Um, if you have suggestions for books to read after the Harry Potter series, email them to me. I'll check them out. Um, that way we can keep this going. Uh, maybe if you've gotten like a summer reading list or whatever, and you kind of want someone to go through it with you, email it to me. We'll see what we can do. Except for the Scarlet Letter. I'm not reading the Scarlet Letter. It's terrible. My opinion. <laughs> but I, I, I will not read that, that book ever again. So, anyway, guys, uh, send me an email. Check out the Facebook page, Twitter page. Um, and I hope to see you guys back here Friday. Bye.